Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. With more tuna than a Subway tuna sandwich, it is the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. And it continues to just be amazing in the NBA. Like tonight, I mean, tonight's game, to be fair, was a little, uh, the, the offense was horrible, frankly. I mean, they couldn't score. But still an entertaining game, went down to the wire. NBA playoffs, just in general, have been. Amazing. Like, absolutely amazing. I saw something, in fact, that the ratings for the NBA are so good right now. They're the best they've been since 2002. Woo! I mean, that's LeBron's whole career. Like, it, it's been a long time. And these playoffs have just been absolutely crushing it. So, that's a lot of what we're going to do. That Like, there's going to be a lot of NBA stuff here throughout the night. Like, if you didn't see what the Mavericks did this week, oh, my God. The Mavericks hired an executive from Nike to be their general manager. Like, that's wild. That is wild stuff. And I love it. I, I really do. I think it's a fascinating thing. And we'll get to that later. But there's a lot of just different things. The, the NCAA changed all their rules now. Like, there was a Supreme Court ruling that was like, yeah, uh, you got to pay the kids. <laughs> you got to let them make money. So, we'll be talking about that. Like, the Every MLB pitcher is unbuckling their pants all of a sudden. I, I don't know how that started, but what a week for the MLB. So just a billion different things to get into. But for now, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket Ken. And we're going to start with the Clippers here because the Clippers are fascinating, right? Think about how the Clippers came together about what, a year and a half ago at this point? I was here, so it wasn't that long ago. You know, I was doing shows at the time. I I remember that when it first came out that Kawhi was going to sign with the Clippers and Paul George was going to go with him, it really felt like an episode of Game of Thrones. It just did. It was like this big time King of the North, Kawhi Leonard, is changing kingdoms and he's moving over to the West Coast and he's fighting LeBron James on his own turf. It was like, man, this is wild. Like, this is crazy. This is exciting. <laughs> Shut up, Graceffo. All right? Shut up. Game of Thrones is great. How dare... Are you not a Game of Thrones fan? Not at all. God, you suck. Come on, man. That show was great. That show was great. Did you even try with that no. show? You didn't even try... You can't knock it. If I know you didn't I'm not try. going to like it, so why would I try? Well, you won't like the last season. Uh, no, I won't like any of it. <laughs> you won't like any of. It. No, you just don't do like the medieval stuff. No, no fantasy stuff, medieval. So like Lord of the Rings. I'm out. No, no. Oh I'm man, out. Lord of the Rings changed things for me. Like I remember being in seventh grade and a kid. Like we were friends. We weren't like super tight. Nerd! Yeah. Oh, damn it. Yeah, you know what? It, yeah, I've always been a nerd on some level. Like, I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt right now. 
So yeah, that's that's where I'm at. But I remember it's more first, mainstream now, though. I, it I it is now, yeah. It's and that's how everything's changed, right? Like video games are popular now. They're in. I remember being a kid and not wanting to talk about how much I played video games because all the other kids they'd give me the nerd treatment, you know. So it's it's what it was. But like watching Lord of the Rings and all, yeah, I'm in all that stuff. I think it's great. But anyway, this all goes back to Kawhi Leonard and how they put this team together because they were coming for the title, like. This was supposed to be the same way that we talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden and how all that came together. This was supposed to be the same kind of super team. This was Paul George, really big name, well-respected player. And he's joining. I mean, he was locked in on what? Like a five-year deal that he had just signed with the Thunder? And Kawhi was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm going to need to... Take him off your hands. <laughs> and that was it. I mean, it was crazy. So for that team to be where they are now, which is the conference finals, nice step for them, right? This was a necessary step for them because it's the way they were built before, all the changes they made in the offseason. You're talking about a team that had a lot of pressure. And now Kawhi's hurt. So, for them, they beat the Jazz, by the way, without Kawhi, which is great. I mean, they don't have him for the last couple of games of the series. Huge boost for them. That's a big ego boost to beat the number one seed in the West and do that without your best player. That's a credit to the Clippers. And here they are now. They're playing the Suns. And if you saw the game tonight, I mean, or, or if you didn't see the game tonight, game tonight was just, I mean, it was it was a physical game. For sure, like very, just a lot of rebounding. <laughs> and it was funny because one of the announcers, I forget who, but guys were missing shots left and right. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, for example, had, I think, 22 rebounds on the night. Bridges at some point hit like 15 rebounds. He might have gone even higher than that. And one of the commentators was like, yeah, well, there's a lot of opportunities for rebounds tonight. <laughs> so it was like, it was a bit of a, a messy game. It was close down to the very end where you have Paul George being sent to the line to take a couple of free throws. It's It was one of those like, hey, try to make the first one and miss the second intentionally. They had a lot of that kind of thing going on at the end of the game. And so Clippers give it a go, and they have a couple of opportunities at the line. Uh, D- DeMarcus Cousins, of all people, got in at the end, and he had a rebound, and they got fouled and went to the line, all this different stuff. So... They make it competitive, but they lose the game. And let's be real. For the Clippers, they're done. They're done. They're, they're a good team, and they've played well. Reggie Jackson has been phenomenal. Terrence Mann, who I didn't know who the hell Terrence Mann was. That guy's awesome. I'm a huge fan of that guy. Have you seen Terrence Mann in these playoffs? He's been great. He's a young guy that when they've needed something to give them a kick, there he is. He comes off the bench. He didn't even technically start tonight. Marcus Morris did, who's been their starter. But he only played 22 minutes. Man ended up playing 33. Like, he's, he's been awesome. He's been a lot of fun. But as solid as the team's been, they're not good enough. Like, you just see everything that the Suns have done. They were able to win games without Chris Paul. Now Chris Paul is healthy. Campaign was hurt. And now he's back. Like, the Suns just look better. They just look better. And so... You have to consider, from the Clippers' standpoint, then, the guy who's not playing, and that's Kawhi Leonard. And looking at the Clippers, here's the thing that has been now circulating my brain, okay, is 
are the Clippers good enough to keep Kawhi? Have they proven it? Because think about the situation for Kawhi Leonard now. He did join the Clippers. That was his team. That was his choice. They built the roster around him. Paul George is here because of him. Now Doc Rivers is out. Now Harrell's out. They retool. After a a big-time embarrassment last year in the playoffs. Well, now he's got the chance to be a free agent again. He's technically got a year left on his deal. He can opt out, though, because this is the modern NBA. Right? All these guys, hey, you sign and you always give yourself that leverage. When you're that kind of star, you can always give yourself the leverage. Yay, let's sign a three-year, four-year, whatever. I got a chance to opt out, though. I can go somewhere else if I want. Okay. Imagine a marriage like that. I can go somewhere else. I had three-year contract. All right? <laughs> I can opt out after two. Yeah, good luck with that. But Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, all those guys, they live that life. So when you look at this deal, are they good enough that he stays? Is the, Have they earned it? Have they earned Kawhi Leonard coming back for another year, for another two years? I say they have. Like, I've really been impressed with what the Clippers have been able to do. And you know what? Let's start with Paul George. Let's start with him because he's a guy that, like, on some level, Paul George is Nickelback, okay? People look at him, and they think it's fun to dump on him. And just everybody dumps on him, so it's easy to do, right? Um, Paul George, playoff P, all those different things. We've gone through it. You've probably heard it a billion times between now and last year. So, For Paul George and what he's done in these playoffs, you know what? He's been pretty good. He's been a pretty good player this year. I mean, is he hitting? He blew the game the other night. He missed the clutch free throws. This guy's a choke artist. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Hey, he is not the best player on a championship team. We all knew that. That's not a surprise to anybody at this point. It hasn't been a surprise to anybody for a couple of years now. Has he proven that he can be a competent second player? Yeah, like the progress that he made from last year to this year is enough. Like he's giving you things. Tonight he had, I believe, 16 rebounds. You know, he he wasn't as effective on the floor, but he's giving you rebounds. He's playing hard on the defensive end. He's doing stuff for you, right? Like he had a couple of foul shots, and again, tonight they there was a moment where you wanted to hit a foul shot. He missed. They fouled him again a little bit later. He goes to the line again. Then he's hitting the shot. Like, he has enough things going on that it's not a disaster. Like, look at Philly. My God. I, <laughs> if you want to go through my week and all of the Ben Simmons stuff that has just been flooding my timeline and my group chats and all that, Ben Simmons was a wreck in the playoffs. And that's for maybe the fifth straight year. Okay? Ben Simmons in the playoffs has been a joke. It's been a joke. And for what he is and what Paul George is doing, I can believe in Paul George, right? So is he the number one guy? No. But if the Clippers right now, as this team looks right now, if they had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is that number two, does this team right here with a healthy Kawhi, do they beat the Suns? Do they beat him tonight? Do they beat him in that other game where Paul George did miss those free throws? I bet you they do. I bet you they do. So that's the thing is I look at this Clippers team and I go, okay, on the top end level of this, is it good enough? 
Yes. So that's something that can help them keep Kawhi. That helps their chances. As he's sitting there, and it, it was really funny. There was a moment during the game where, because the Clippers were down early, right? So, like, beginning of the game, I think they were down 10-2. to 2. Ty Lu calls a timeout. They give up a couple more points. Maybe they score a basket. There's another timeout. Like, it was, it was like that for most of the game where the, the Suns had, like, a, you know, 12, 14-point lead. It was somewhere in that neighborhood for most of the night. So it gets to a point where later in the game, second half, here come the Clippers. They're slowly working their way back and tying up the game and passing the Suns. And the building's going nuts, right? Because it's in L.A. and they're fighting their way back. They're making adjustments. And so when you see that happening and the building is on fire and they go to Kawhi and uh, up in the press box or well, not the press box. He's not, he's not writing articles, but in whatever box he's sitting in, the, the commentator's like, well, there's Kawhi as excited as can be. And, and Kawhi's just stone faced, like not moving. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard is like a cold calculated man. And I love that about him as a basketball player. That's what you want, right? Like, That guy is just ruthless out there. I don't need him to say things off, you know, out in the world on Instagram as much as it's fun. Hey, if a guy posts funny stuff online, great, great. But I like basketball. You know, what do you do on a basketball court? Kawhi does those things. So for him being that calculated type of guy, is he looking at this team and going, you know, it's enough for me to stay. Is it enough for me to spend more time here with the Clippers? The the couple years of my prime that I will have here, do I want to give them to this team? And when you see Paul George and Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann and Marcus Morris and all the other guys on this, I mean, there's not a whole lot of other guys. Zubach, Zubots, excuse me, who's been up and down in the playoffs, but great game tonight. Great game tonight. So, is that team good enough? Yes. It's good enough. If Kawhi is there, I think that team's going to the finals. Like, they'd be winning these games. But here's the other thing, too. And this has really been one of the growing stories as the playoffs have gone on. Ty Lu is fantastic. I mean, Fantastic. The way that he's making adjustments in this series, his feel for putting guys in. There was a point. Here's here's how great Ty Lue is. Here's here's how fun it was with Ty Lue tonight. In a game where, again, it was really sloppy and ugly at the end of the game. That just nobody, basically the whole fourth quarter, nobody could hit a shot. So as it's getting into like the final two minutes and you're getting fouls and aggressive defense, knocking the ball out of bounds and all this different stuff. Ty Lue is sitting there where all of the guys check in, right? So when you're subbing a guy in, hey, they, you know, they rip off the pants, they jog down a little bit, they take a knee, you get the buzzer, they come into the game. Ty Lue is sitting, he's, he's at that area of the court. So he's not by the bench. And sitting with him, there's like four guys. Like none of the team that he's actually going to play is anywhere near the bench. They're all just sitting there ready to check in at a moment's notice. And given what happens on the free throw, whether it's made or missed, uh, given what happens if they foul or not, he would call a different guy into the game. But he just had four guys just like orbiting around him. And that's what he was doing in the closing seconds. And they had a chance. Like 
they had a real chance there up until maybe two seconds left in the game. So to watch him coach that team the way that he has this year, where they've been down in series twice and fought back, where they lose Kawhi and still win, like he's been incredibly impressive. And so thinking about even if the Clippers lose this series, because again, the Suns seem to be clearly the better team. They look clearly better. Is it enough for Kawhi Leonard to stay? And with what they've done this year without Kawhi and what Ty Lue has done, yeah, I think they've done enough. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. So we got more complaining about Giannis's free throws this week, which is just the dumbest ongoing scandal that I can think of. I mean, how ridiculous is the whole thing? Giannis goes to the line, he kind of stretches a little bit, he sends a couple of tweets, he visualizes the shot, he goes and takes it. Half the time he makes it, half the time he doesn't. (laughs) But the amount of thought and energy and discussion that's gone on with Giannis's free throws is funny. I mean, really, it's, it's funny to me. I can't get mad about it. I can't care. The only time I really got to this stage where it was like, oh, well, this is an injustice, is when they just out of nowhere for the first time maybe ever decided that they were going to call him for it at the end of a playoff game. And that was like, yeah, like what what happened? What happened? Where, where did this come from? But outside of that, I mean, now it's in the two minute report. So the NBA, one of the things that they do is in the last two minutes of a game, they will analyze every play. They will note where the officiating screwed up and then they will release to the public what those mistakes were. Which is amazing. Baloney. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of baloney. There's a lot of baloney. But one of the things that popped up on it was, yeah, they didn't penalize Giannis for 10 seconds on the free throws. Vince, you know what they should call that report? (laughs) What? The first 46 minutes of the game don't matter report. Well, (laughs) it's really true. You know what's funny? I've been getting, my girlfriend in the past couple of weeks has really been getting into basketball, which she's never been in her life. Loves football. Like, Big-time Jets fan, gambles on the NFL, all that kind of stuff. Like, she's into – she likes sports, but she didn't like the NBA. I've been getting her into it because I just show her – like, if I'm turning on the game in front of her, I'll do it with, like, eight minutes, six minutes left in the fourth. Like, I just – I don't bother showing her the first quarter. It's not worth it. And now that I can go, yeah, here's some of the storylines. Here's this player and his backstory and this guy and their backstory – and here's all of the action that you need to see in these last, like, six minutes. That works. But, yeah, the, the rest of the game, for a lot of the time, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't. I guess all those missed out-of-bounds calls in the first 46 minutes of the game that lead to baskets don't matter. Yeah. Well, well, here's the problem. Okay. Is if they I guess points are worth less earlier in the game. 
Yeah, they are. Oh, obviously they are. Who knew? Um, I know it's it's a little subtlety. They're actually the same way you go to get gas and it's nine tenths of a cent. You're actually getting nine tenths of a point and they round up. So that's I mean, it's deep in the rule book. It's deep in there, but it's there now. The whole thing being that, yeah, like if they're going to microanalyze every possession outside of two minutes for the rest of the games, it, the sport becomes unwatchable. That's the problem. The last, what was that game the other night where the last, like, was this the other, maybe it was the other Clippers Suns game. Yeah, I think it was the last Clippers Suns game where that last minute took like 25 minutes, 30 minutes. It was one minute. One minute. I mean, yes, the NBA slows down a little bit at the end of the game, but that one minute just took forever. It took forever. It was like, how is how is this possible? But that happened. It was exhausting. And so, yeah, like if you officiated all of the games like that, now you're becoming baseball and nobody's going to watch. They're, they're just not going to watch. So going back to the Giannis thing, because that's where this all started, is he's shooting free throws and he's taking too long. It's a dumb thing to complain about, really. I I get I can see why it's boring and as a fan being like, "Yo, buddy, speed it up." But to make it like it's this big competitive disadvantage that Giannis takes, I don't know, 12 seconds for a free throw from time to time instead of 10, I just I can't care. Nobody's ever cared about that rule and to suddenly start officiating it hard on one guy in the playoffs just is silly. It's silly. One of the things that they have done now, which I am totally on board with, is they're talking about changing the rules. And see, this is why you do it in the off season. This is why you figure out these things when the games aren't already in motion. Is They're talking about changing how fouls are called. Offensive fouls. And great. You know what? You want to change how offensive fouls are called? Totally good with me. All these guys that are like, they really go out of their way. James Harden, now we're seeing it a lot with Trey Young in the playoffs and some people. Trey Young's become very polarizing in the past couple of weeks because now some people are like, oh, yeah, Trey Young, I love this guy. And other people are like, oh, he's so annoying and the way he draws fouls, I hate him. Like, so Trey Young is, is having an interesting couple of weeks here. But for those kinds of guys, you can't change it right now. You're not going to change the rules now. So, okay, yeah, if you don't want them, hey, oh, let me just lean into this guy. Let me just, like, fall on somebody and shoot a three and get those foul shots. Like, yeah, that is junk, and I'm glad they're going to change that. But change that later. You know what I mean? Change that in the offseason. Let everybody know. They prepare. They adjust accordingly. Great. Giannis, you never officiated it unless he's going 15 seconds, you know, I'm letting him do his thing. I'm letting him do his thing. I'm letting him shoot. If you want to enforce it in the offseason and go, listen, pal, we're not allowing that crap anymore. Fine. Do it then. But now, eh, it's too late. It's too late. So, 855-212-4227. That's how you get in. We go to Taylor in Texas. What's up, Taylor? Hey, man. I uh, just wanted to touch on the Kawhi Leonard thing. Sure. Um, there's a couple... I had a couple reasons outside of what you already said. You may have mentioned it. I may have missed it. But... I think that the mismanagement in San Antonio of his knee and how he's having an issue right now and just how he's being treated seems to be one of the biggest issues of why he would stay there outside of how the, how it's set up for him already. I mean, he left a Toronto team that was built for another championship just so he could be somewhere where he was happy. And I think he's happy in L.A. He's willing to give it a shot, especially since the city's treating him with respect. That's it. 
Yeah, hey, it, it's a good point, Taylor. And, yeah, for him, part of it is going home. That's part of it. He's from the area, so he wanted to go back to the West Coast. He wanted to be in L.A., so that's part of why he picked the Clippers. So, yeah, I, I would figure he's going to stay. Because, again, if you're just tuning in, you're like, where, where is this coming from? So, just kicking off the show, asking the question, have the Clippers done enough to keep Kawhi? Have they? Because who knows what's going to happen with Damian Lillard? Right? Like that he's in every trade discussion right now. Whether or not he wants to stay, he's he's in every trade rumor. You know, you you're gonna ask about it. There were some thoughts, well, just like the slight, you know, that things were getting a little rocky with the Dallas Mavericks and Luca. That is very different now. We're gonna talk about that in a couple of minutes. But superstars are volatile creatures, right? They have a lot of power and they use it. And so for Kawhi being the guy that he is, having the power that he has, have the Clippers done enough to keep him? Have they earned it? Have they earned the privilege to maintain Kawhi Leonard's services? I would say they have. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Well, what what haven't they done? I mean, you're getting all of these guys in the Western Conference Finals. They've gotten there and beaten the Jazz without him. Ty Lu looks amazing. Paul George isn't the number one dominant superstar. He wasn't meant to be, but Reggie Jackson's been great. You've got um, Terrence Mann has been awesome. They've they've gotten contributions in a lot of different areas. And as much as they're going to get beaten by the Suns, they've played well, and Kawhi is really the difference. I mean, how different is this series with Kawhi Leonard? How different does it look? Because they've had a lot of close games. And I would tell you... They're ahead if Kawhi is in this series. So, 855-212-4227. That's how you can get in. 855-212-4227. You can also join on Twitter, by the way. It's Vince Quinn. It's all one word. Someone just said to me, fingers and toes crossed, wishing I had a rabbit's foot. Go Hawks. Yeah. Um, The Hawks have been fun. And one of the things about the Hawks that's been fun, and it took a new level, actually, tonight with the Suns. So, when the Sixers and the Hawks we're in that series. John Collins, he had a dunk over Embiid. And after they won the series, Collins goes out to his press conference wearing a custom shirt that is the picture of him dunking over Embiid, which is a hell of a move. I mean, I got, I got to respect it. At some point, you got to respect it. That's a hell of a move to go as soon as the series is over. Yep, here's me dunking over the best player on that team. Here's the shirt. We just beat them. I'm the man. Like, good move for him. Nice swag move. Big fan. And then on the other side, what you just had tonight was DeAndre Ayton showed up, and he was wearing a shirt that was Devin Booker with the broken nose. So now you're getting, like, it's just a nice little additional level of fun to go with all of this, which Graceffo clearly hates as he shakes his head like, I don't don't get this. So uh, I love the shirts. Love the shirts. Think it's great. And if you want to talk about that, 855-212-4227. But the Hawks in general, just the the attitude of the Hawks is great. And for as ugly as that game was, because they got they got just ridiculously smoked the other night. I mean, that game, the whole fourth quarter didn't matter. The whole fourth quarter. They played everybody. Both teams. Like, their backups needed breathers. You know what I mean? Like, that's how long that game didn't matter. So... When you got a game like that, you feel bad, it looks bad. But 
The Hawks are resilient, man. And that's the thing. The attitude of that team is so, like, unshakable. And it makes them dangerous. It makes them incredibly dangerous. And so you figure they're going to come back tonight and nothing's going to change. They're going to be as competitive as they've been. So 855-212-4227. We go to uh, Kyle in Pittsburgh. Yo, Kyle. Hey, this is my second time calling the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for the second call. All right. Well, I want to talk about your Giannis free throw point. Also, I think Suns in five all the way. Suns in five. Yep. But Giannis, you got to make your mind up. Last week you were talking about the MLB agree with the situation. You're you're cool with the rules. This week you're like NBA with the free throw rules. Let's change it in the off season. He can't be shooting 11 seconds, taking 11 seconds on the free throw line. He's giving breathers to his own team. It's just not right. you got to pick a side. You can't change well, the rules in the season here's my and thing. then agree with I the rules. I didn't want the MLB to change the rules. Graceffo was the one that was good with changing the rules last week. We argued no, about it. I heard you. I heard you. You were cool with the MLB. I'm on the player's side. I told you last week. Kyle, I'm telling you what I'm, I told you last week. I, t- I said it last week that last I didn't. Graceffo, did I not say last week I didn't like the rule change? They shouldn't have done it in the middle of the season. Sure, but uh, to be fair, to be completely honest, uh, there is no rule change. Baseball's always had a rule about substances on the ball. It's a rule change, though. No, it's not. It's they, not they're a, enforcing it's not it now. It's a rule change. But it's not a rule change. It's not not a technically speaking, but when you're operating differently, it's a rule change. Whatever. So I didn't like I'm it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, MLB, NBA, you got to pick a side. I did. I did. And Kyle, thanks, man. But I did. I picked a side. There's no reason to change it with Giannis now. And there's no reason that the MLB should have done this in the middle of the year. The MLB was so clearly unprepared for all of this. And then you had guys dropping their pants in the middle of the games. Like, it it was a joke. It was a joke. Joe Girardi called Max Scherzer out three different times in one game. How does that happen? Like, it's it's an embarrassment. That's what happens when you change rules on the fly. And for the MLB, they didn't enforce it at all. They let it go, and now they try to enforce it, and they can't do it properly. They didn't change a rule. When you, they've, uh, they've changed their philosophy. Yeah, stop saying they changed the rule. They didn't change a rule. Well, fine, but it, you get what I'm saying. If it's on yes. the books and nobody enforces it, it's not really – it's a rule, but it's it's well, not again, a rule. Well, again, does anyone enforce jaywalking? No. But if you were caught in the middle and you decide to cross the middle of the street, you get hit by a car, what happens to you? You're dead. What does that <laughs> – I, I think you're close there. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Yeah. If I got a ticket for it, then that – getting hit by a bus. <laughs> anyway. I'm just trying to save your life. Yes. Uh, I think it needs saving. 855-212-4227. That's how you join. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up next, if you didn't see what happened with the Tour de France, oh, my God, what a disaster. Unbelievable. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio.
You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yep, and I'm being yelled at on Twitter for the inconsistencies as well. Nuances in language, if you will. People are picky. So be it. Graceffo's now yelled at me. People at Twitter are yelling at me. Yeah, it's not a rule change with the MLB. I get it. I get it. It's You know what I'm saying, damn it. You know what I'm saying? It's a philosophy difference, okay? When you look at one rule and you go, hey, we're just not going to enforce this because nobody cares. Like, here's here's a radio thing that happens, for example. They say, hey, no food, no drinks in the studio. And then, you know, for a little while, nobody does it. And then a couple of days go by and weeks go by and months go by. You're con- you're breaking the rule right now, by the way. I have a nice cup of tea in my hand. The tea is empty, though. I drank all the tea. See, but you broke the rule. I, I absolutely broke the rule. Yes. Well, I, I'm breaking the, the rule. rule right now. I you bre- broke the rule. Yes. I'm, I broke the rule, too. Yeah. We all do it. No, we, we doesn't break Doesn't mean the it's rule. not a rule. No, it, it doesn't. But they also enforce this rule from time to time. It's usually when somebody screws up. And knocks over something in the studio, and then they've got to, like, replace a computer. Or someone just loudly complains about crumbs. Well, yes, yeah, so that, that can happen. People get very sloppy. You know, it'll be like... In uh, this business? Nah. No. No. There's, no, there's no, no slobs in sports radio. No. No, it's never happened. I've never happened. seen one in my life. No. There's, there's no reflection in this glass between the two of us. No. Um, so, yeah, like, you see stuff like that. And it's like, okay, once in a while they decide to enforce the rule because it's gone a little too far. That's that's something that happens from time to time. This is like, oh, let's let's blow dust off the cover of this book that has <laughs> been made 1,840 years ago. And let's just suddenly decide that something we've never even realized was a rule exists and it matters. Like, nobody before Giannis got called for that first violation, nobody knew it was a rule. Nobody knew it was a rule. You know, I ran a poll, and we talked about it on the show when it happened that week. Half the people were like, I've never heard of this before. So suddenly we're going to get mad about a rule that we didn't even know existed and didn't care about? (laughs) Come on. What are we doing here? So I just, you're totally changing the philosophy on it. And for Giannis, you just do it later. Do Do it later. As long as he's not going 15 seconds, you know, as long as he's not really abusing it. Because now he knows, and he's like, oh, well, let me just get a little more comfortable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then, yeah, like, go after him. But l- let's do this. All right, because here's, here's another thing that was completely insane. Did you see the Tour de France? Did you see, see what happened with this, Graceffo? Because it was, it was crazy. No chance. You didn't see this? Oh, my God. It was, it was unbelievable. So here's the thing. It's the first day, right? It's the first day. It's just getting started. Long race, all these different days and stages and all this different stuff. The riding, the whole pack of riders, they're going down this stretch of road. And, you know, it's not like that wide of a stretch of road either. And as they're going down, this big, they're all grouped together. So I'd figure it was early in the race. Some idiot is on the side of the road with a giant cardboard sign. Like a long, you know, because a lot of people, if you're thinking of a game, you know, you think of like the, the college pregame show and, People have these big poster board signs that you buy from a a pharmacy down the street. It it wasn't one of those. It was like if somebody had gotten a case of beer and, like, opened it up long-wise as much as you could, and you, like, doubled that, tripled that. Like, it was a long, like, stretch your arms out all the way from side to side. It was a long piece of cardboard. And some idiot 
has this cardboard sign, and they realize, hey, it's the Tour de France. We can stand right next to the road. So let me do that. Let me stand right next to the road with my sign, which I have no idea would even sit on it. But they, they, they're standing there. They're on the road. Oh, here comes the TV cameras because here comes the pack. Let me get my sign ready. This idiot gets the sign, holds it out to the camera on the road. Okay? It is the sign is in the road. And one of the bikers, sure enough, full speed coming down. <laughs> Boom. And this stupid idiots. Oh, no. The stupidest of stupid idiots. Because here's the thing. Everybody fell. Everybody fell once this happened. Because they're all so tightly packed together. Have you ever, like, it's amazing to me, really, to see the people in the Tour de France that, that they're riding these bikes so close to each other and they can maintain straight lines and not hit each other, go around bends and winds in the road and not hit each other. And for them to be grouped up like that, and then it was just, all right, you know, like bike falls, bike hits another person, hits another person, another person, another person, another person, another person, another person. They're, they're, they all just totally wipe out. All What's people, wrong with you people? Well, now it's, it's hey, you got busted knees, you got busted bikes, you got busted elbows, you got maybe hit your head. Like, everybody fell. And and the guy that first went into Somebody the dropped their performance-enhancing drugs. Well... <laughs> Someone did. Someone did. But it was such In a big In that sport? Nah. No, nah. Ne- no, never. It hasn't happened once, especially not with an American team. But for for that to go down like that, because the first person that hits the sign, by the way, I mean, they got wrecked. Like, I don't know what kind of shape they're in. I legitimately have concern for their well-being because they hit this sign this dumb cardboard sign that this idiot stands in the road with leans into the road with and once they hit and again i mean you ever fallen off your bike you ever gotten knocked off your bike that hurts okay you're go these people are going fast so you're going at that speed you get knocked over now everybody behind you going that speed they're running this person over they're falling on top of them like it was it was chaos. You gotta be taping me. Yeah, like it was. I can't imagine how angry people were after that race. Also, how great you felt if you missed the pack and you got. That's an all-time great advantage. But what a disaster! Like it was. That was shocking, man. If you haven't seen it, I'll I'll try to. It shouldn't be hard to find here. Let's see. Uh, tour now. I guess this is, this is a smaller question. Do you say Tour de France? Do you say Tour de France? Should I should I say Tour de France? Is that like the popular common? I've, I've never I've never cared. It's never crossed my mind. Yeah, I just say Tour de France, and it, it just is what it is. So I'm not some like purist in any of this. I might sound like an idiot, some simpleton for calling it Tour de France. I'm sorry, it's Tour de France. But when there's the D in there, you know what I mean? Tour de. It's like okay, well that is French. Okay, so that's that's not like it's not like Tour of France. Like if I was, <laughs> that would make sense. But Tour de France, I I guess I should say that I gotta. Well, maybe not. Like I don't want to get that deep in it. Who but cares? Not me. May, well, yeah, Graceffo certainly doesn't care. Here, here. Uh, oh yeah, and I can't. That, well, the sign is in French too. That's why I can't read it. I have no idea what the hell it's saying. But I just retweeted it, so you can go and check it out. It is. Absolute chaos. I mean, this person is at the front of the pack. They are right there with everybody. And then there's like 
maybe 15 people that get through and everybody else wipes out. It looks like it just started. Like there's a gate right behind them. I mean, it is unbelievable. Absolutely, completely insane. And I wonder if they changed the rules on that. I mean, when you've got people, I'm surprised it's been able to go on as like this. I guess you can't wall off like some of these courses have to be like, I don't know, God knows how many miles you're riding a bike in a given day on the Tour de France. Um, but you just got people out the road. Like this person they just got out in the road. It was crazy. So anyway, if you saw it, you want to talk about it, 855-212-4227. That's you're how you can join the show. You're a moron. Hey, 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 hey. Not hey. you. Okay, good. Go with the hey, sign. hey. That's right. It's guy with the sign, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are you doing? <laughs> I just got to check. I just got to check. Yeah. I got to check. Nine times out of ten, it's about you. Well, that's that that's time, I got to check. It wasn't. Yeah, so it's a nice change. Well, you're welcome. So you're saying right now I'm I'm quite intelligent, quite smart. You're an idiot. No, you're I, a moron. Okay. <laughs> now it's at me. There. <laughs> well, you asked for it. <laughs> yeah, I was begging for it there. Uh, let's get to the Dallas Mavericks, actually, because somebody who is not an idiot, somebody who is incredibly smart and just did something Completely out of the box in the best way. The Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban. Did you see what they did? Because, and I'm not talking about Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was like, really? We're doing this thing again? Like, we, we're, we're going through this show? I don't know why we're doing this. Uh, I don't know. He played for the Mavericks, and they're trying to help Luka, whatever. It's just, look at the coaching record. I, I, I have a hard time believing that Jason Kidd's going to build a winner with the Mavericks. But the GM is fascinating. Fascinating. Have you ever in your life heard the name Nico Harrison? Nico Harrison. Does that ring a bell? Former player, former coach, you know, long-running front office executive, started in the mailroom, worked their way up, whatever it might be. Like, who is Nico Harrison? What is his background? How did he become the GM of the Dallas Mavericks as they're at a crisis point? Because that's the truth of the matter. The Dallas Mavericks hit a crisis point. That's why Rick Carlisle is out. That's why they made other changes in the front office. Like, it was Luka's not happy. The team feels a little bit stuck. Porzingis thinks his role should be bigger. Like, it's chaos down in Dallas. And now they're making all these changes. And Nico Harrison's running the show. So who is he? Well, he's been an executive with Nike. Nike. Which, on some level, at first, it's like, wait, what? Like, they just hired a guy from Nike to run their basketball team. He's not a consultant. He's not like an assistant, something or other. He is the general manager of the Dallas Mavericks. He's been in Nike. Think about that. Like, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It sounds crazy, but it's brilliant. You know what? Why not? Why not, Nico Harrison? Why not a shoe guy? That's how the NBA works. It's shoe deals, right? It's shoe deals. They matter. You guys, like, uh, here's here's another funny example. I believe it was when Ben Simmons got drafted. He had a clause that he would make more money on his shoe deal if he won Rookie of the Year. So you know what? He had an injury. He could have come back at the end of his rookie season. He didn't. Why? Shoe deal. He's making more money on the shoes than his actual NBA contract. So go fulfill the kicker that gets you that shoe money. Go and get it. Guys in the offseason, they travel to all over the world. 
They go all over the world. I mean, the NBA now, they're starting up a whole new league in Africa. They've got a massive presence in China. They're building that up, guys. They go on tours. And a lot of it's related to shoes. Shoe companies selling shoes, right? Like, you get these guys out and about. You get them among people doing promotional events. Shoes are a massive part of the NBA. And really, it it shows that when you get a guy from Nike to run a team, to be a general manager of a team, it shows you that, like, there's so much more to the NBA than basketball itself. It's a whole other sport. Like, this doesn't happen in the NFL. It doesn't happen. Right? Like, the the craziest thing is, like, wow, this analytics wackadoo who's actually, you know, been in the front office for eight years doing analytics things. <laughs> like, those, those are the things that really outrage people. That's wild. But, I mean, honestly, I can't even think of an equivalent of what that would look like in the NFL. Because there's really nothing close. There's nothing that impacts the NFL the same way that shoe deals are going to impact the NBA. And we hear so much as well with the the NBA. It's a lot about agents. And what is your relationship with an agent? What does that look like? And we've seen on occasion agents get front office jobs because of the connections, because of the politics. And that's so much more of the game. So when you see a move like this, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, for Mark Cuban to go and hire an executive from Nike, why not? Well, Vince, what's he, you trust this guy signing contracts? Absolutely. Who better? Who better? You're getting a guy, I mean, he's going to sit in negotiations. You know how big shoe deals are? Some people have lifetime contracts. Hundreds of millions of dollars can be at stake in a single negotiation. If this guy, Nico Harrison, that just got signed by the Mavericks... If he's been in those conversations, he's well-equipped to handle any negotiation that has to be done with a contract. He's going to have no problem. And he's already been doing it in negotiations with NBA players and agents. He's been through it. So he gets that part of the operation. If he's able to have those relationships with agents, with stars, he understands the marketing side of all of this and can provide that benefit and guidance to his players, to his team, why not? What about scouting? Okay, well, you have a staff for that. You have other people in the role, right? Like, you don't need to have the GM be the exact, because here's the NFL problem, right? This was, let's go back 15 years. In the NFL, it used to be, hey, if you're not six foot five and 270, who cares? You're not playing quarterback. You know, not for my team. Listen, Drew Brees, you're too small. You know, like, that. that's what it was. That's what it was. Now Kyler Murray's the number one pick in the draft. Now Lamar Jackson's up for a new contract. He's going to get a monster deal. He's been an MVP of the league. The way people play quarterback is different because there's a lot of great athletes that can throw a football and you give them opportunities to do it. And as long as you build a system, you build a structure around a great talent at that spot, they can do it. They can win. They can get you far into the playoffs. They could get you to a Super Bowl. Because the talent is there at the position. So if you've got a GM that's just more relationship-oriented, politically-oriented, contract, negotiation-oriented, well then, yeah, build out the rest of your front office that's a scouting department. Go for it. Do it. Fine. But 
for Mark Cuban to go and make that move and, and sign a Nike guy to be his GM at, at first, it, it really was. I was just like, I, this this is weird. But the more you think about it, the more sense it makes. I mean, I really love it. I love the idea. I love being out of the box like this. You don't need to be a former player, right? It's, hey, you, you want somebody with NBA experience. Fine. There's plenty of former players that stink at the job, right? Like, plenty of former players are awful coaches. They're awful executives. Plenty of analytics people are bad coaches, bad executives. Like, it's it's just you're good at it or not, and there's different ways to be good at it. So can this guy work? Yeah. I'd love to see it. I'm really curious to see how it goes down in Dallas. So if you want to talk about it, 855-212-4227. That's how you get in, 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here, by the way. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. And you can also join the show on Twitter. It's Vince Quinn. All one word, it's Vince Quinn. So we've been doing a lot of NBA stuff, went through the Clippers a little bit and the Suns earlier, talked a little bit about the Bucks and the Hawks. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. I'm Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so we'll get to some big news, a couple of pieces of big news in the NFL in just a minute. I am Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. But first, I, I want to take a little call. We got somebody calling in about Ben Simmons. Let's talk to Stephen Ackard. Steve, what's going on? Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I I, I think he he doesn't have it, man. Like. What do you think? Like, I mean, he he's scared. He's afraid to shoot the hoop. Like, what are you gonna do with him? Well, that's the thing. I I don't know what you do with him. I because you got to try to trade him, and ideally, well, he's he's a he's got plenty of talent, and he has good moments, and he has been an all star and deserved to be an all star. He's deserved to be a first defensive team player in the NBA, but it's just when the playoffs stuff with Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, it not anymore. Well, yeah, that's the problem is these guys together. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And beads frame is too short. It's not going to work. No. So So, where, where does he go? Well, yeah, that's the the question of the off season, Steve. And I I appreciate it, man. Like I, I have no idea. People are saying Portland because, hey, C.J. McCollum, maybe he's available, or obviously Dame Lillard. If you're Look, if it's a Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard kind of trade, you're talking about Ben Simmons, a couple of young players, first-round picks. Like, you're giving up a lot of stuff to get Lillard because that is not close to a one-for-one swap. It's just not. I mean, Lillard's great, like great. And so, yeah, that would, that would take some work. Although Lillard and Bede, yeah, I'd, I'm on board. I'm on board with that. I think that's a, that's a pretty interesting equation for me. But let's get to the NFL in a second. I'll tell you, today on CBS, PGA Tour action continues in the Kepka-DeChambeau rivalry. 
which is the best thing going right now in golf. It is absolutely fantastic. Hey, it's Brooksy. Uh, <laughs> It's so good. The rivalry is renewed along with several of the top 10 players in the world competing at the Travelers Championship. We're on the tee at TPC River Highlands today at 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific on CBS. So let's talk about the NFL here where, first off, Carl Nassib is the biggest news in the NFL. Carl Nassib, defensive end for the, I almost said Oakland, and I think the cut is actually in the system is Oakland Graceffo. So there you go. We got to we got to yell at some people. It it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, we will someday we will figure it out. We will make the transition that they are the Las Vegas Raiders. But all the same, Carl Nassib has come out as being gay. And here's the thing that I think is so fascinating about it with Nassib because it's not a surprise. I mean, it's a numbers game, right? It's a certain percentage of the population and over the years of football, like whatever it's, it's not a shock, but you have to think of the situation that it took a guy like Carl Nassib to come out, right? You're talking about a guy that's been in the league for a couple of years. He's already established as a veteran. He spent a year already in Las Vegas, so the team knows him. They're familiar with him. They might even know. Like, you hear so many different players over the years that have said things like, yeah, I know people who are gay but haven't come out, and I'm not saying who they are. Like, that's their business, which is totally good with me. You don't do that. But for him to be in a situation where he feels comfortable and he's got the security, right? Because, like, Michael Sam came out, and that's the other name that naturally was the next thing that you hear. It's like Carl Nassib comes out. All right, well, let's talk about Michael Sam as well. Michael Sam was going to be a fourth-round pick. That was the projection. He was a fourth-round pick. He went undrafted. So you put that together. Then for Carl Nassib to be in the league, be established, be in Las Vegas already, it's going to cost him. And this is the super cynical side of it. But if it got to this point you know, distractions and all that. Like, Carl Nass, it would cost them an additional $5 million to cut him more than they're paying him. The guy is secure. He is locked in. He is playing this season. He's not going anywhere. So it takes a guy like this, and that's the shame of it, is it takes a guy like this in this situation to be the first guy to come out as gay in the NFL. But it's what it takes, and you just hopefully it makes things easier, and and you're going to hear about this more and more as things go. But congratulations to, to Carl Nassib. I, I can't imagine that's easy. And for him, it's I know he's going to mean a lot to a lot of people out there. So that's one of the biggest pieces of news with the NFL. The other thing was, and this is obviously much less significant, but fun news, really fun news. Finally, alternate helmets. Finally, I. why did this take so long? That's the thing that I don't get. You know, it it was because here's here's the simplest reason why I wonder why it took so long. Money. Money. Right? Have you heard of this thing? Have you heard of this thing? You seen this thing? It's called money. Have you heard of it? Yeah, like the amount of money that the NFL is going to make from alternate uniforms, those old you know, the you can have two different colored helmets. It's gonna be ridiculous. It's going to be ridiculous. Now, I guess, well, Graceffo, now you're a Jets fan. You got those awful, is anybody excited? Like, more New York Titans uniforms. Yeah, I would hope that that's not going to be the one they're wearing. Those are ugly, man. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it's that's not the one they're wearing. 
bottom line. But some is there a throwback that like Jets fans are like, oh, here we go. I think people want like, I think that people on Jets Twitter want the the Jet Hemel with the wing on it. You know what I'm talking with the oh. when the J was the wing. Yeah, yeah, that's the one they those. want. Okay. Which, right. again, is not a great era of Jet football. Well, is there? It, I mean, there really isn't one, to be fair. But that's really, it's really bad. Like, that one's really bad. Yeah. Uh, but people want it, so. Well, and again, cool if, and if the though. NFL put it out, I'd buy a mini helmet. Yeah. Just so they know. There you go. If Roger Goodell is listening. Listen, Raj, buddy, pal. <laughs> you want to make an extra 26 bucks? Yeah. He's dying for it. He's like, oh, man, I've, I've been waiting to crack the Graceffo market. We've finally done yeah, it. He already has. <laughs> yeah, you're wearing Jets gear as we speak. Yeah, it's over. You're wearing Jets gear like every week when you're in here, which is a testament. Like, you have a disease. Yes. So. No, You like, it's admirable. I mean, really, like, there are times where I look at people who are fans of a certain team and I just go, I don't know how you do it. Like, really, I, and for you to constantly be that locked in with the Jets, where it's not just that you're a fan, but you are actually repping the Jets all the time. I have a problem. <laughs> you do. I think that's the bottom line of it, it all. It explains a I lot. I have a problem. It explains a lot. But it is exciting, though, to have these other uniforms back, like uh, the Buccaneers creamsicle uniforms. Those things are beautiful, man. Those Those are so good. Those are so good. Like, that was one of the things I remember being a kid and playing Madden all the time and really getting hooked on it. And one of the things that made it so fun to me was, and, and what got me so connected to the league, was playing as whatever team and playing as those alternate uniforms. Like, playing as the throwback Buccaneers with the, it's the pirate, and he's got the knife in his mouth or like a flower. He's got something, I think it's a knife. Or flower? I can't imagine it's a flower. It's got to be a knife. Anyway, you, you know what I'm talking about. Bucko Bruce. Is that his name? Yeah. Is Bucko Bruce? <laughs> is he still Bucko Bruce? I would hope he is, then, unless he had some sort of dramatic name change that yeah. nobody knows about. Okay, well, let's let's see. Is it like Bucko Bruce? Yeah, it's it's whatever you mascot? think it would be. I'm, I just want to see how it's spelled now. I got a B-U-C-C-O Bruce, yeah. So Bucko Bruce. And, yeah, he's holding, he's biting a knife. He's got the earring, big feathery cap. Like, it's a great look. The color scheme is awesome. Totally works today. You know, go wear those uniforms. Get them out there. The problem is, is that that's the better logo, but their era of football where they're obviously much better is the one they have oh, now. Oh, well, yeah, and it's not even close. So it's like you can't, like, justify doing that permanently because, oh, remember when we were an expansion team and god-awful? Well, you, I think you would erase that really quick. I really believe that. Is it initially you're going to go, yeah, well, this error stunk, fine. But if you make that switch and your team is good, people are going to adjust. They'll adjust quickly. They really will. Like, logos change all the time. You know, major brands will go through a logo change. And for a couple of weeks or months, people be like, oh, a new logo, it sucks. And then a year later, it's the logo. It just, it is the logo. You know, you, you like it or you don't. So... I don't think that's too big of a deal. In fact, I think a lot of the older uniforms would sell a lot better today. Well, yeah, because have you seen some of the designs out there lately? Well, that's part of it. That's part of it. Some of them are a mess. Like the Dolphin fans should immediately petition to have the uniform changed back. Oh, yeah. No, those old Dolphins unis, man, they're so good. They have so many good looks. I would I would love to see some of those. And I would bet Dolphins fans right now are going nuts. Like, you got to be excited about this. So part of it's going to be, because we're coming up on a hard break in a minute here, 
So I, I once in a while, I'm like, yeah, I'm supposed to break here. Let me just go for a couple more minutes. But I got I to gotta get out here. Let's just do this. What is that uniform that you're excited for? What is that thing you've been dying to see? What are you getting excited that it's going to be coming back that your team can finally wear? Because for me, being a, an Eagles fan, they've got these Kelly green uniforms, which is like this bright green. Which again, bad era of Eagle football. Bad era of Eagles football. You know, there's there's one, there's like a year or two where you had the crazy good defense and they didn't win a game in the playoffs. But anyway, um, those uniforms are gorgeous gorgeous and they did them for one year in like 2010 they wore them for a game gorgeous can't wait to see those things come back but i really do believe a lot of the older uniforms are going to be more popular today and i want to get into that more on the other side but again if you got a uniform you want to see 855-212-4227 nice and easy 855-212-4227 i'm vince quinn with you here on cbs sports radio and we'll talk more on uniforms we'll be right back You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so let's keep talking NFL uniforms a little bit because you're getting the alternates now, which is great, and it's a long time coming. My understanding is of why it took so long to get to this point where the NFL is going to allow you to have different colored helmets is, is really the thing. I know there had been discussion before. Obviously, the NFL is very sensitive at this point to concussions. And so there was some theory about, all right, well, if these guys are wearing different helmets, is that going to affect the likeliness of concussions? And can we do that for the sake of uniforms? So that was part of the conversation. And I guess now they've done enough research or the money's good enough or something in between. I don't know. I have no idea. But something changed to the point where, because this has been proposed like every year. I mean, really, the NFL has rule changes every year. It gets submitted all the time and it just never gets approved. But they finally did it. And now you're going to get all of these older uniforms because teams, I mean, the color schemes change so much. And that's why I really feel like now is the time to do this because I remember when the NFL first started going through that real change in uniforms in the early 2000s. And I remember it specifically with the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks changed over. From, you know, that old scheme that you saw, like the, I don't know, the Warren Moon, Steve Largent, like uh, that era from those days. And they trained and uh, they changed over to the dark blue that you see today. And they had, it was just like solid with that dark blue, the green stripe on the pants. And I saw that and I was like, wow, those look amazing. Like those are, those are really cool uniforms. And then the, the Rams changed theirs. And they had the darker colors that they had for a long time till they just changed back. And like so many teams at that point, it was just what was hip, right? Like clothing goes in cycles. Things that go in fad, then they're out of fad. And, and it happens all the time. Sometimes it takes a couple of years. Sometimes it takes a couple of decades. But 
at that time, all the color schemes, everything was darker colors, right? Getting out of all these bright colors of the 90s and the, the late 80s and going into dark colors like gritty, you know? Yeah, that's where everything went. Now, everything's bright again. Like, it's everything's trended bright. Look at all these different new logos of things that come out. Look at the... Uh, open your cell phone right now. Open it. Well, if you're driving, don't do it. Don't don't open your phone. But if you aren't, if you can actually open your phone right now, look at all the apps. Are they light colors or dark colors? I mean, really, it's like on some level, it's that simple. Light colors are in. So if you can get creamsicle, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms, if you can get the Oilers uniforms out with that lighter blue, go get them. Go get them. Because those things are going to sell like crazy. Shirts, jerseys, all of it. It's going to sell like crazy. Kelly Green in Philly is going to go nuts. Because it's a beautiful color. I mean, it looks fantastic. So, I'm thrilled about it. I love that it's back. I love that they're making these changes. And it's going to be better. It's Because, God, I mean, otherwise, before, all we had was, like, Color Rush. Which, remember the ketchup and mustard game? <laughs> Not great. Not great. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket Ken. We go to uh, Mike in Alabama. What's up, Mike? Hey, good morning. Yeah, I remember uh, early 2000s when they changed uh, my Atlanta Falcons when they changed the logo. Uh, I mean, it looks great now. They added the red to the Falcon logo and everything like that. But back in the day, it was just black and white. And uh, I'm excited about this because uh, I have a couple of jerseys of uh, back in the day when it was the jerseys were all black. Uh, I don't have jerseys from, say, back in the late 60s or early 70s, but I have uh, an old Brett Favre Atlanta Falcon jersey, and I have a Deion Sanders jersey. The Deion Sanders jersey was all red with yeah. the old logo, and uh, the Brett Favre jersey was all black with the black and white logo. So I'm excited to bust them out. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you've held on to jerseys like that, too, what better time? And, Mike, I appreciate it. Like, uh, I'd gotten my dad a couple of years ago. I got him a Reggie White. It's a Kelly Green Reggie White. You know what? That's going to be looking pretty good. I think that's going to be getting some run soon. It's in. It's back. We'll go to uh, Brian in San Diego. Yo, Brian. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, so, I'm a diehard uh, ex-San Diego Charger fan now, but... uh those guys back in the day, like like 2010 ish, they changed their helmets, you know, and went back to their old white helmet schemes from the dark blues, and now they're like forefront fashion leaders in the NFL almost with their new uniform scheme, and uh, they kind of like took nods from their old uniforms to make these new uniforms, and now like seeing all that come back is kind of like uh, just goes to show where the NFL is moving with the. The throwbacks are in now, like you're saying. Yeah, because the, the Chargers uniforms, I mean, when they unveiled, I guess it was last year, they put like four uniforms yeah. out. Gorgeous. Right color rush. Oh, my God. The Chargers, like every single uniform the Chargers put together last year were some of the best uniforms I've ever seen. Like each individual uniform. They, it was crazy how good those look. Yeah, exactly. Like, was like when they brought back the powder blues, like – that whole thing, man. That's that's uh, that's the new wave. Is is the throwbacks are back? Yeah, and and you know what? And Brian, I appreciate it, man. I actually I have a throwback LT. I I have a baby blue Ladanian Tomlinson because it's a gorgeous jersey. I, how could I not? 
You know, it doesn't matter. Like, I always had jerseys from different teams. That, that never bothered me. You know, growing up, I had a Dan Marino. I had a Brett Favre. I had a Marshall Falk, Warren Sapp, Deuce McAllister. I had a Penny Hardaway. I had a Grant Hill, a Jordan. Like, I had everything. I just had I had jerseys. I liked the league. I had posters of Shaq on my wall. Like, I, I liked the league. You know, I just, I liked players. I liked stars. I liked the stories. I was in for all of it. And so to see these uniforms coming back across the league, it was like, yeah, baby, let's go. Now, one of the little things, this is funny. So me and Graceffo were talking during the commercial break, and Titans fans, correct us if we're wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that the Titans have the rights to the Oilers logos and the color scheme, you know, that whole alternate uniform, because the Texans are a brand-new franchise, you know, like – Okay, they were the Houston Oilers, sure, but they moved to Tennessee. So that is their history, right? They were the Oilers, and now they're the Titans. So I don't think the Houston Texans have the rights to that, which, what a miss if you're the Houston Texans. I mean, if there was ever a time to change your identity, to give a new look to things, now would be a pretty good time for the Houston Texans to go and shake things up. I think they could really use that. And uh, I think that's the Titans move to make, which it's also a shame because like, is there oiling like other oil rigs in Texas or, or in, in Texas? Duh. In Tennessee. Is that like, is that even a thing? I, I, I have no idea. Would you appreciate that? Would they be like, yeah, the great oil industry here in Nashville. You know, <laughs> I don't think that's exactly. It's like the Utah jazz, right? At some point, I guess you're just adjusted to it. But it's like, uh, I don't think you're exactly the jazz capital of the world here, Utah. Let's let's consider the absurdity of all of this. So, anyway, if you want to get in and talk about it, 855-212-4227. That's how you get in, 855-212-4227. I want to get to another NFL thing in a moment. There's been a lot of, like, under-the-radar NFL stuff going on. It's been a weird week like that. Um, But first... This is a little thing that's fun because, like, the NBA playoffs are taking up a lot of oxygen right now. Rightfully so. The NBA playoffs have been amazing. I mean, really, they've they've been so much fun. And I've really been making sure to go out of my way to watch just as much as I can. You know, I I used to have uh, a lot of times that you get to a series, you know, you're not, not exactly excited about it. It feels predetermined. Uh, You know, I might watch an episode or two of a show. And I'll get to halftime, and then I'll check the score. Oh, it's a close game. Okay, yeah, let me check in for a little bit and watch the second half. But now, with these playoffs, no, 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 no. Game starts. TV's on. I've been waiting for it. Why didn't it start on time? Like, I'm locked in. I'm in. I'm just, I'm fully in with all of it. And being so in on the playoffs and how big and exciting all of that's been, the lottery just came and went. It just, like... Didn't even register. But the thing that is so funny is now that the lottery's over, going back and looking at the draft, (laughs) okay, the Oklahoma City Thunder have begun their run of excellence. They're they're ready to go, okay? Because if you haven't been keeping up with the Thunder, they've traded anybody of any consequence for draft picks. They, They are tanking in the hardest way. They are not shameful about it. They are just tanking and tanking and tanking and tanking and tanking. That's what they're doing. And you know what? Good for them. That's what they should do. 
You had the whole run before Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. That blows up. Now you got Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul or Paul George, and it just it, it didn't work. It didn't work. None of it worked. So start over. Get young players. Figure it out. And for them to get all these draft picks, now that the the lottery's over, here's what it looks like for the Oklahoma City Thunder in this draft. It's great. So they're picking sixth. They're picking 16th. They're picking 18th. They're picking 34th. They're picking 36th. And they're picking 55th. That's absolutely ludicrous. They have six picks. They've got six picks in this draft. Which is so great, and I feel true like story. It's yeah, it, it's and it's going to be the true story every year until I don't know twenty forty. I mean, okay, let me let me pull this up here. Let's let's look at this. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Thunder draft picks future. Okay, well that's let's see here. Uh, this okay, I might have to look this up during the the commercial break. We'll see, but they have. So many picks. Oh, no, this is the page I was looking for. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, this is going to be fun. Because they are so ridiculously loaded with picks that, I mean, really, it it was like, I'm trying to think of the exact number of first-rounders that they had, but it's through the roof. Let's see. We're we're scrolling. We're scrolling. Oh, this is, we're, we're going to do play-by-play. Let's see. So extra first-rounders, yeah, there's, okay, there's like four extra picks in 2021. They got an extra 2022 first. Another, oh, that one's from the Clippers. 2022, one from Phoenix. 23, one from Denver. 23. Oh, my God. They've got they've got three extra first-round picks in 2023. They've got another second-round pick that year, two second-round picks that year. They've got two more firsts coming in 2024. Like, it's it's crazy. I'm scrolling down now. Oh, my God. They have picks piled up up through 2027 right now. They, they have stockpiled up through 2027. That's just right now. They still have multiple years of trying to lose and trying to get the top picks in the draft, which means they're going to be piling up absurd amounts of picks until at least 2030. Most so likely. you're telling me there's a chance. Oh, there's all the chance. I mean, at some point, it's not even chance. Like, they're just going to have so many picks. <laughs> it's going to be impossible to not get somebody. Well, again, these are all good ideas in theory. It's a great idea to stock up on 60 first-round picks in four <laughs> years, five years. Like, but you're a Sixers fan, right? Yeah. Like, we've established that. Wouldn't you say that, you know... It was the best idea in the world for the Sixers to stack up and stock up and pile up all these draft picks. How exactly did that work out for you? <sighs> you had a chance to legitimately get five superstars, and how many did you get? One? Well, yeah, you got Embiid, and you can count Simmons kind of, sort of. Mm. Kind of, sort of. Not after not after the other day. I. I know, but he's still. I get it's just the all star stuff. That guy went from being able to be traded for James Harden to nothing now. Well, yeah, in three months, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna have to be packaged with some stuff, for sure. Yeah, he he's he doesn't count. He's anymore. not a superstar. He doesn't, he's so, a star. So for all of the wonderful things that the Oklahoma City Thunder are doing, and it's great, and it's all good, all thumbs up. You have to hit on them at the end of the day, right? Like these are all great ideas in theory. Like draft picks are great ideas. That's what they are. Right? 
<laughs> like, look at it. Like, yeah. that's all they are. Like, oh, it's a great idea that we flip Paul George for a pick in some time when, you know, I'll be 45 years old. <laughs> but I, like, you have to be able to hit on them for it to work. And the only reason the NBA isn't doing anything about it, which they probably should, uh, is because the Thunder haven't come out and said, uh, yeah, we're just losing on purpose. Well, yeah, that's all it is. It's They're not coming out and just saying it outright. Hey, uh, listen up, everybody. We had 10. Like, when the Sixers tanked, they literally the owner of the team had a press conference after that first season where they really tanked. They won, I think, 10 games. I'm not exaggerating. 10 games. And he comes out to the podium and goes, yeah, uh... I think this year was a huge success. And, like, people lost their minds, man. People got so mad that the owner of the team. Yeah, of course. Wouldn't you, like, wouldn't anyone? Well, I didn't. Like, are there people in Oklahoma City that care? Oh, well, there's some. I hope. But I think that's part of it, too. But, like, like, this is your future. Like, you're going to win 20 games for the next five years. Yeah, oh, totally. Like, what's what's the point? Like, what do you, why invest any time in it? If you're a fan, like why, why bother? Well, yeah, I like I, I would see the Sixers when they were tanking at that point, and I would go to games to be like, oh, can they hit the consecutive loss streak all time? Let's see. And Plus, like, you're getting I would into the arena tickets. for ten bucks, probably. Oh yeah, they people were they. That's the only reason you're going. They were selling for so cheap on tickets that I'm pretty sure StubHub changed their entire system because the Sixers fans were buying like whole sections for a buck. You know, like so. Crazy the point stuff. is, like, this is all well and good. Like, this is all great. This is all a great, grand design of a plan. But look no further than the Philadelphia 76ers for it not always working out. Well, yeah, and for them, there's so many weird things that went on along the way. But, yeah, they, they draft, And it's funny because a lot of guys they drafted have ended up being good players but in other places. You know? Sure. Like a Nerlens Noel. Yeah, like Nerlens like Noel. Dario Saric. Yeah. yeah. These are nice players. Yeah, they're contributing and they, players. And they traded them all away. Robert Covington was a guy Robert... from the process. Right, He's yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they had solid players. They just, they had all this mismanagement, which is another thing. People are always like, oh, like, there's a big national media thing every year where it's like, oh, well, does this single moment mean the process didn't work? It's like, listen. No, you, we, know, we know it didn't work. You clowns. It's over. Well, it, the whole thing is the guy who was the architect of it got replaced three GMs ago. Like it's not even relevant anymore. You right. know what I mean? It's like, over. It's yeah. It's not a real discussion. But like you're not picking in the top now. five anymore. It's over. No, and it's not the same guy that's doing it. So when the league forced him out, and that was years ago, you can't evaluate it now. You know, it's it's just a different thing now. There's remnants. There's process remnants. I mean, you, you had a legitimate chance to end up with five superstars. Yeah, and you got one. Well, yeah. I mean, Markel Fultz is working out great. Well, he's, he's crushing know. it for the Sixers. He's doing great. Yeah, he's doing great in Orlando. No, no. He's he's a Sixer. Uh, he's he's been Julie Okafor, three time All Star. Julie Okafor does he play basketball? Yeah, anymore? I think he's on he's uh, he's on his way. He's a backup center for the Sixers on his way to the Hall of Fame. He's uh-huh. doing great. Yeah. No, Okafor has been stellar for us. We love him. <laughs> yeah. Round of applause. <laughs> yeah. Beware, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, they're going to be great. They're going to nail it. So. 855-212-4227. That's how you get in. 855-212-4227. Let's talk about MLB pitchers taking off their pants in the middle of a game. That's coming up on the other side. I'm Vince Quinn with you. Keep it right here. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio.
You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to the morning show. Yes, I am Vince Quinn here with you on CBS Sports Radio. And I want to get this out of the way real quick. Just a a little story that I thought was so great, okay? Because sometimes, a lot of times, social media is garbage. It's it's just trash. Uh, I... Like, here's what I'll tell you. I'm on Twitter, right? I'm on Twitter mainly because of this job. I'm in sports media. I got to be up on the news. Tweets are a good way to keep up with that. And I've actually gotten to the point where I used to have this compulsion of like, oh, I need to tweet all the time. Like, that's what other people in the industry are doing. I got to tweet. I got to tweet. I got to tweet. I'm really not doing that so much anymore. I maybe sent like two in the past week prior to tonight, like, Really, the only time I'm on social media is to talk with you. Like, that's it now. That's it. Like, I I don't really bother with other... There's so much nonsense out there. There's so much lack of nuance or whatever out there. I just... I hate it. I hate it. But talking about the show, talking about things that we're doing over the course of the night, when people reach out to me, I try to get back. And, like, I appreciate that. Everyone's been great that reaches out to me while we're doing the show. And I I really do enjoy that. So... As we're going through these things over the course of the night, always feel free to hit me up. Like, that's that's easy. That's totally cool with me. And you can find me at It's Vince Quinn. But just during the week with the things that people get outraged about and this and that, it's like I'm checking it all the time because I, I got to see the news. But frankly, Twitter sucks. It's, it's just a miserable, awful place. And so one of the things, though, you get occasional little tiny moments that help. They don't fix it, but they help. So, one account, they got Josh Hart, who he's been in the NBA for a couple of years, and he's, you know, he's a solid player, not like super big time, but he's a solid player. And they photoshopped him in a Detroit Pistons jersey. And it was like, oh, Josh Hart to the Detroit Pistons, you know? And, and it looks good. J- jersey swaps, people's ability to photoshop all that stuff is so good these days. It's, it's crazy how good it is. Um, but anyway, so Josh Hart sees that he's photoshopped into a Detroit Pistons jersey. He retweets it, and all he says as a comment, nah. <laughs> That's it. He's like, nah, I ain't playing in Detroit. Sorry, pal. That's not happening. I absolutely love that. You know, because it's so easy for players. Like, the expectation is, what would you want him to say, right? Like, what is the proper political correct thing? I mean, one is, you just don't say anything. You know, you just don't say anything. The other thing is, well, you know, there's, I mean, Detroit is a great franchise, and the people of Detroit are great, and I understand what they're building there, and they got the first pick, like, exciting times in Detroit. Yeah, maybe... If I go over there, yeah, it'd be interesting. You never know. I mean, hey, we got a lot of options out there. I'm a popular guy. But if I ended up in Detroit, that'd be delightful. Nah. (laughs) Nah. Nah. Good for him. Good for him to just be like, you know, I don't care. If I hit free agency and Detroit comes calling, now they know they got to pay more. If I'm going to come here, they got to pay more. It just is what it is, right? Like, it happens all the time in the NFL. We see it all the, all the time. Good players go to awful teams. Why? Money. They overpay. They pay more than anybody else. So, yeah, you know, 
I'll go to Jacksonville. What else do I got going on? Now for the next couple of years, it's going to be, well, yeah, I'll go to Houston. What else do I got going on? Like, pay me, you know, just as long as you're paying top dollar, I'll be there. But if the money's equal, Josh Hart ain't coming to Detroit. (laughs) I I love that. It was so funny. So, all right, let's, let's get into this with the NCAA a little bit. And by the way, if you want to get in, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. So there's something going on with the NCAA. It happened almost a week ago, almost a full week ago, where the Supreme Court had been hearing a case from the NCAA about paying the players. Now, you've probably seen this abbreviation going around, NIL, nil. And what is that? It's name image, and likeness. So for these college players, do they get to make money off of their names, off of their image, off of their likeness, video game characters, uh, sports memorabilia, you know, like can they sign things? Can they make appearances? Can they be in commercials? All that kind of stuff that we've talked about over the years in, in very extensive ways. Can they do that? Well, the NCAA presented a, a big grand case of, well, we believe in amateurism, As players come to these stadiums that are worth millions upon millions of dollars and play in locker rooms that are worth millions of dollars and play for coaches that we pay $10 million, uh, we we strongly believe in amateurism. But, you know, guys don't go to the NFL because they would rather coach college and make the money in college. (laughs) Like, good luck with that, you know? So the Supreme Court hears this argument, and I believe it was unanimous. They were just like, yeah, that sorry, pal, that ain't happening. And you got to pay these kids. You got to let these kids go and get paid. So name, image, and likeness for NCAA players. Now they're going to be able to make money as athletes. And it's going to be crazy now because you got to think about this, right? Only a couple of states actually have laws about it on the books. Right now there's like six or seven states. There's not many. So you're going to have the NCAA They've put this pressure on the conferences, on the schools. They're saying, all right, you guys are going to have to figure out some stuff. They're drafting temporary holdover rules about this while they're waiting and hoping that Congress can pass something about name, image, and likeness and regulate all of this for the NCAA, which means that for now, and and it's been one of those theories like Coach K announcing he's retiring, and people have thought, well, is this related to – the changes of of what's happening in the NCAA. And he's told you, no, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But here's what I'm going to tell you. As much as they're going to put things in place to try to even the playing field, for example, they're, they're trying to get rules put in the place that, Hey, uh, you can't pay a player more. You can't say, sign a contract with a player and tell them, well, you know, we understand you have a couple of offers here. We'll pay you more. If you go to Alabama, you see, hey, you're looking at Michigan, it's your home state, but Alabama's, yeah, well, sorry, you got to say no to your hometown, we'll pay more at Alabama. Like, that that kind of stuff they're trying to weed out. But, honestly, it just feels like it's a new game. You know, it's a new game. I, I don't think it's going to eliminate any of this in terms of recruiting practices and whatever. There's still going to be things that happen, it's just... Who figures out what those advantages are that skirt around the rules? And who perfects it faster? How does the league react to punishments when they do it? You know what I mean? Like, 
there's going to be things that happen when you're going because everything is changing. All the rules are changing. All the perspective on it. So there's going to be loopholes. There's going to be things that the league wants to enforce. You know, the NCAA decides they want to enforce and things that they, you know, they're really like, well, we we wrote these rules here, but, you know, if people are doing things and we're not exactly enforcing it. I think we'll be okay with that. I mean, the same way for baseball for years. Just, hey, put whatever you want on the ball. Just don't go too far. And now they've decided they, they got to go and enforce the rule. But for the longest time ever, they looked at it and said, we know everybody's doing it. It's breaking the rules. We don't really care. Doesn't doesn't bother anybody. Fans are happy. Players are happy. We're good. So for the NCAA, what is that going to be? What is that advantage? Who finds it? What are the schools that benefit? What are the coaches? Who are they that benefit? But that's what I'm curious about now because, yeah, like it was inevitable that they were going to get paid. You just couldn't do it any longer. There's too much money in it, and these players are too valuable. I mean, you can get a a regular nobody that, hey, if you do some funny stuff on Instagram or TikTok and the kind of money that you can make from doing that, there's just too much money to be made. They're too valuable. Their social media accounts have too big a following that you can just be an average college quarterback and get a sponsorship and make good money. You can do it. So it's just, how is it going to change now? How rapidly does it change? How quickly do rules come into place? How seriously do they enforce those rules? You get what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of stuff here. So it feels like it's different. And it is. A, it, it is. It is. It is different. The page is turning. But... It ain't going to be a clean page turn. So, something to keep an eye on. Let's go to uh, Gary in Tennessee. Gary, what's going on? Oh, my goodness. Finally, there is some common sense descending upon the NCAA, and it was imposed by the Supreme Court, damn it, and I love it. Uh, For many years, uh, we've uh, come to football stadiums to watch football players. If it wasn't for football, we never would have heard of Notre Dame unless you were Catholic. If it wasn't for football, there would not be a University of Alabama. There would be a Tuscaloosa Community College. These guys should, should have been able to cash in decades ago. Uh, there are a lot of local guys, uh, uh, maybe, a, you know, uh, say a Bowling Green or any, any little school you want to name, where there is a player that is very popular locally, and he should be able to cash in. It will be people that nationally no one's ever heard of, but if he can cash in, make twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, and have that to pay down on a home for him and his uh, – his uh, fiance when he gets out of school, great. That's what they should all be able to do. Some of this revenue will be shared. It'll go across the whole team. Some of it will be individual where they, uh, you know, sponsor a car dealership or whatever or do a commercial or whatever or sign autographs or whatever. And it's great. The door is wide open now, and it should have been a long time ago. To hell with amateurs. What the hell does that mean? That's what, that's what slaves were. They were amateurs. They were deprived of uh, getting paid to keep their amateur status. That's basically what was in uh, college football. Well, yeah, and and the amateur stuff doesn't really do anything. You know what I mean? No, it like doesn't. It, it doesn't it doesn't excite me. I'm not like, well, look at this kid. He's got five thousand yards of passing, and he's got fifty touchdowns. But you know what the best part is? He's doing it all for free. Like that's no, yeah. it's not. It's like he, he, I feel horrible for him. Yeah, he's risking his joints and all kinds of things. It's getting damaged as it goes along for free. That, that's basically the size of. It. Anyways. I'm glad to see they can cash in. I don't care about the details. People will argue about, well, what about this? What about that? It will all work itself out. This this uh, NIL is just like water. It will seek its own level, and whatever happens, happens. 
And yeah, maybe uh, some players will be going to the highest bidder, but that's okay. Why not? That's yeah. American. No, it, it is okay. It is American. Gary, we got to run. We're hitting the break. But 855 212 4227 if you want to join the show.